Let us uh, begin this evening with prayer, so let us stand. <clears throat> Our Lord Jesus, thou art the resurrection and the life. Uh, we praise thee for we have the privilege of being able to learn more about uh, our Savior even in the study this evening. We pray that uh, our minds might be alive, uh, that our understanding, Lord, would be sharp and clear, that, Lord, our zeal uh, for Thee would be set on fire by Thy Spirit, that we would not approach Thee, uh, nor sit under the teaching of thy word in an uh, apathetic, complacent way, but that, Lord, uh, we would be uh, very energetic spiritually. We ask, Lord, uh, forgive us and cleanse us of our sins as we approach this time of study. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <coughs> So by way of review, uh, in the previous verses, Jesus uh, presents uh, to his disciples and to us as well the very comforting doctrine that the bodily death of believers is no longer a curse. Uh, when we die, it's not a, a sign of God's curse upon us. Uh, Jesus in Galatians 3.13 bore the curse for all of his people. And so the, uh, the Jesus, in fact, likens uh, the death of believers to their body falling asleep uh, there in the grave. And it's not the soul, as we noted last week, uh, it's not the soul that falls asleep. We do not believe the Bible teaches soul sleep. This is the body uh, that is falling asleep uh, temporarily until the resurrection in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present in the Lord. Our soul at death immediately ascends as, as believers in Jesus Christ, ascends into the very presence uh, of God. Moreover, uh, from last time as well, Jesus uh, made clear to his disciples that even death itself, and if death... All other trials are designed by God to strengthen our faith in Christ. Nothing comes our way because if the, if the most um, severe trial, which I think we would face, would be death, the death of a loved one, uh, is designed for our good, for the building up of our faith, and anything less than that is likewise designed to strengthen our faith in Christ. Jesus says from the previous Bible study in verse 15, John eleven fifteen, 15, he had just said in verse 14, Lazarus is dead, verse 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So uh, Jesus is saying, uh, I'm, I'm happy uh, that I wasn't there uh, to, to raise or to keep 
Lazarus from dying uh, because this is going to be for your good, for you to believe in me even more than you now believe in me, to grow in your faith because of this great trial. Because uh, Lazarus was a very dear friend of all of these the, the d disciples and of the Lord Jesus himself. But it also uh, reminds us, the death of Lazarus also reminds us that death is coming to us all. Um, we uh, have, every one of us, a divine appointment. It's not an appointment that we'll be late for. It's not an appointment we'll miss. Um, we may miss a lot of appointments in this life, but that's one we're not going to miss. And so it's very important that we uh, weigh very seriously uh, the, the matter of death. If we would prepare, and we do, don't we? Uh, when we're going to take a short trip, even a short trip, uh, we make preparations for it. Uh, if we're going to be uh, particularly making a longer trip, uh, we're going to make preparations for that trip. We're going to think in terms of uh, how long it will take us to get there, what we'll need. Um, if you're flying, you'll, you'll uh, need to make preparation uh, for getting on the flight and going through security and all of these kinds of things. If you're going by um, car, uh, you're going to need to, uh, to know where you're stopping, uh, where, how much gas you're going to need. Um, so again, even trips that we take here upon the earth, we make preparation for. How much more so ought we to make preparation for a trip uh, at death that is going to take us uh, from this life and into the next life? Uh, that, that is especially a trip, uh, a journey that we need to prepare for. In fact, not to prepare for that journey after death into heaven uh, as believers, not to prepare for uh, our death and the journey that follows, is basically to say that the journey's unimportant to us. Uh, it's no big deal. Uh, and that, I believe, is a very, very serious matter when we do not consider our death to be a very big deal and we make no preparation for it. So again, I, I think that talking about death, us praying about our own death, even if we're younger, uh, I think that it's a very, very important, healthy, spiritually healthy exercise on our part. Not to just uh, think in terms of, you know, I'm young, I'm going to live, uh, you know, act like you're going to live forever. Uh, you're not. You know, I was young once too. Um, and uh, that's, again, you just see over the years, that's, uh, that's a myth. Uh, but it's a myth that many believe. Uh, and that death can't even come to the young. That's why it's so important to prepare for this journey uh, after death. So that's, that's a brief review from last uh, Bible study. Let's begin with the uh, study this evening in verse 17. <clears throat> John eleven seventeen. 17. 
Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. So now they've journeyed from where Jesus and the disciples were. The people were coming to Jesus there near the Jordan River where John had baptized uh, the Lord Jesus and many others. And now they receive this news. And Jesus tarries, waits two days, then sets out uh, for Bethany. And when he arrives, the text here says that Lazarus had already died and had been buried for four days. Now we're not told here that Mary and Martha had any advance news as to the delay of Jesus, that he waited a couple extra days upon hearing the news. And so you can only imagine, you know, as, as they are waiting for Jesus to arrive, uh, just the anticipation and the delay, and as they watch their brother uh, as he becomes more sick and more sick and gets closer and closer to death. You can just imagine that delay uh, in waiting for him and waiting for the Lord Jesus to arrive, filled with grief, filled with sorrow, anticipating Christ's arrival. But <clears throat> again, it's not only Mary and Martha that the Lord was thinking of as this delay occurred and Jesus arriving waiting and learning patience while looking to Jesus in faith and hope is something that we all need to learn in the school of Christ every day these are graces to wait upon the Lord uh, to learn patience as we wait, we all need to see that grace grow in our lives because we know, again, how hard it is for us to wait, how hard those delays are. Whether it's healing for ourselves or a loved one, whether it's work, a job that we need, uh, whether uh, it's... Um, you know, some, some other activity, some event uh, that we are waiting for that, uh, that is very difficult, but we need to learn patience. Uh, Christian life is not one of instant gratification. In fact, uh, I'd say the Christian life is really uh, one of eternal gratification. Um, so much of what we may like to have in this life, free of trials and free of illness, free of trouble, <coughs> free of broken or disturbed relationships, um, uh, we, we don't see instantly, just because we're Christians, we don't see instantly uh, those things remedied and healing brought in, in various ways. And 
much of what we learn as a Christian is learned from waiting upon the Lord, trusting him, continuing to look to him in hope that he will uh, make all things beautiful in his time. That's how the Lord sanctifies us. That's how the Lord draws us to himself when we are waiting. He teaches us to depend upon him, not upon our own resources. Uh, if If we could rush the answer to whatever it is we're waiting on, uh, because we had the resources to do it, uh, probably we would brush it. Um, you know, we'd uh, air mail it, uh, you know, uh, priority mail. Uh, it would be uh, in our inbox immediately uh, if we had the resources. But God puts us in those situations. We don't have the resources. All we can do is wait upon him, trust him, continue to look for him as Mary and Martha were put in that situation waiting for the Lord Jesus interesting question and I think it it's not just a a question of curiosity but where was the soul of Lazarus during these four days well if the soul of the thief on the cross was with Jesus in paradise well when uh, the thief on the cross died. Jesus said in Luke twenty three forty three, "Today thou shalt be with me in paradise." And Jesus again, his soul um, uh, also was in the presence of God in paradise. In the presence of God, uh, uh, where is paradise? It's in heaven. Um, Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter twelve that uh, God gave him a revelation and he, he was brought up into paradise, uh, that heavenly paradise to behold things in paradise, in heaven, uh, that uh, he said no man uh, can uh, even utter uh, the glories uh, that he received by, re- by way of revelation. Well, paradise wasn't somewhere down in the bowels of the earth uh, that Paul is talking about, paradise was uh, with the Lord in, in uh, heaven. And so, uh, if the thief on the cross went to paradise, then certainly uh, Lazarus' soul as well went to paradise to be with the Lord for those four days. Can you imagine <clears throat> having been in heaven for four days? <clears throat> I mean, again, time not really passing uh, in heaven like it passes here might have just seemed like a snap of a finger, uh, you know, as far as the time that Lazarus was with the Lord in, in heaven. But, but to be told that it's time for you to go back to earth <laughs> after being in the glory of heaven, uh, in the presence of God, um, uh, again, we're not told that Lazarus went around trying to sell books, um, you know, about uh, his experience in heaven to make money off of this or anything like that, uh, as happens uh, regularly with people who are making movies or selling books, uh, trying to get, it seems, rich off of their alleged experiences 
we don't hear anything of that nature with regard to Lazarus, uh, uh, but no doubt he, he had a story to tell uh, that was an actual true story. Verse 18, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. So Bethany was a, a suburb of Jerusalem. Uh, 15 furlongs is about the distance of two miles from Jerusalem. It was during this week, this week that now was upon the Lord Jesus in which he was to, uh, at the end of this week, to be crucified and buried. And so this week is just uh, um, beginning uh, for the Lord Jesus, his Passion Week. And he would find, and we would find in, in the text that uh, during this week that Jesus was uh, stated to leave Jerusalem and to lodge in Bethany because it was a short distance away and most likely finding lodging uh, with Lazarus who by that time, by the time Jesus is, is crucified, has been already raised from the dead earlier that week. And so finding lodging with Lazarus, uh, Mary, and Martha. Verse 19. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. <clears throat> this is probably, though the word Jews when it mentions that term uh, earlier in the book, many times and most times, it seems to refer to the religious leaders that uh, have been seeking to destroy the Lord Jesus. But here, uh, I don't think that the word Jews, as it's used here, refers to those same people. They're there, probably uh, followers of the Lord Jesus, <clears throat> and uh, uh, friends of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so probably uh, more likely disciples, Jewish disciples of the Lord Jesus, uh, or at least sympathetic um, in some way to uh, the ministry of Christ. It was very customary uh, for family, for friends and neighbors to gather, sometimes uh, uh, for days at a time, at the home of those who had lost a loved one uh, in death, to gather for days, to uh, weep with them, uh, to uh, comfort them, uh, because death is indeed a common experience for us all. and. Uh, uh, how much that particular grace of comfort and sympathy is needed, especially at that time of loss and uh, death. And it's helpful for us to remember that because whether it's in our family or someone else's family, we're going to have, uh, and you who are younger, uh, if you have experienced the death of a family member uh, that you have known, uh, you will have some idea of this. I think that, uh, that very often in our 
culture, in society, uh, death is kind of sanitized and it's pushed off uh, usually so that you know, you're not even very close as a, as a loved one or friend is dying. You, you don't usually see them because they're in a hospital or something of that nature. And sometimes, again, I understand that I'm not, I'm not condemning the fact that we might put our loved ones in a hospital, but the one thing that we don't see is death. We don't, we don't really know that experience because it's pushed so far away from us. Um, sometimes, again, um, in families, uh, the death of my parents in the last two years, both of my parents, uh, they were both on hospice, and so, you know, the family uh, was ministering to them during that particular time, able to visit with them, uh, and was able to have some sense of, of, of death. Uh, and to, to, to know something about it and what happens and, and to hear, um, uh, you know, that loved one speak and, and, and talk uh, uh, as, you know, generally speaking, toward the end of one's life. And so um, uh, that was, again, a very common experience. Um, uh, they... Uh, uh, the families took care, you know, of uh, preparing the body for burial and, and then burying the body. This, there, there, there weren't uh, mortuaries, uh, there weren't morticians, um, uh, you know, the family took care of everything. And so, um, sometimes uh, we, we might think that it's, and perhaps it comes across in, some way to to us through the way people react to death, the death of Christians in particular, that uh, that it's wrong for us to sorrow uh, over the loss of a loved one. And I'm I'm thinking, I know of a loved one, but I'm thinking more of uh, Christian friends, loved ones that that in some way that it's wrong for us if we know where they're going which we have comfort that we know where they're going uh, to be with the Lord, that there's no reason for us to sorrow then. But that's not true. I, I think that the Bible, uh, for example, Paul says uh, in First Thessalonians 4.13, not that we're not to sorrow for those who are in Christ, who die in Christ, but we're not to sorrow as those who have no hope. And so that's quite different. We can sorrow over the loss that we have that we won't see in this life any longer that loved one or that friend, that brother or sister in Christ. Uh, and that's, I think that that is um, the right attitude to have. In fact, it seems to me that if there is no sorrow, at all, <clears throat> um, it, it, it seems so unnatural. Uh, uh, and uh, I don't view that as being necessarily more sanctified, but we just don't sorrow as those who have no hope. And uh, I think that we, 
As we consider the matter of caring for those who lose loved ones, you know, those coming alongside to encourage them, I think it's important that we realize this uh, for our present relationships with people. Do we have any guarantee or assurance that those with whom we may have broken relationships are going to be with us tomorrow? Do we have any guarantee um, uh, that we will see them again and w in this life and we don't? I think that uh, uh, the urgency with regard to matters of death, because uh, you have no doubt seen, I've seen, um, we've heard of, again, people who have died, whether suddenly or they knew they were going to die, but there were, were those left behind uh, who grieved and sorrowed because they had not taken care of relationships, broken relationships. They had not mended those relationships. And I think that's an extremely sad situation when we all have the opportunity to do that. And so again, um, I believe that we, uh, we ought to be quick, therefore, uh, we ought to seek as, as quickly as we can that there be no delay on our own parts. If there is delay, let it be upon the, the part of someone else, but not on our part, to take every step to try to mend those relationships. Because, again, we, I just don't want any of us uh, to be in that situation where someone close to us dies and, and we could have... Um, taken steps, but we chose not to uh, when it comes to mending those relationships. Verse uh, 20, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. So Martha is the first sister to meet Jesus upon his entering into Bethany. It would seem uh, likely that it's not because Mary uh, did not uh, uh, want to be or see Jesus, as did Martha. I think more likely that Martha was informed first, uh, and she responded, and Mary uh, was perhaps either secluded or isolated or so wrapped up you know, in her grief over the loss of her brother that, uh, that she was not informed at the same time. Because when she is informed, uh, she immediately goes uh, to see the Lord Jesus. And so most likely um, Martha was informed first and, and uh, goes out to the edge of town to meet the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Here uh, in her grief, 
in Martha's grief over her brother's death, she questions the Lord's delay in coming. Basically what she's saying is, Lord, what took you so long to get here? If you had been here sooner, my brother would still be alive. Now, there is faith there in the words that Martha speaks to the Lord Jesus. She believes that Jesus has the power to heal. Had he been there, he would have healed her, healed him, and her brother would have would have been alive even to that day. So this there is faith present in her statement. But notice that it's a faith uh, in the bodily presence of the Lord Jesus to heal, that he <clears throat> needed to be there bodily in order for her brother to be healed. Whereas Jesus could have spoken the word from where he was there along the Jordan River. He could have spoken the word and pronounced uh, Lazarus, healed. He did that, in fact, with the centurion servant in Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13. You remember uh, this uh, centurion comes and tells the Lord Jesus how, how sick his servant is. He's near death and uh, says, uh, but Lord Jesus, uh, I don't want you to come. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Simply speak the word and my servant be made well. And Jesus said, uh, I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. And it came from a Roman centurion that uh, said that. And Jesus spoke the word from that distance. And, and when the centurion arrived home, he inquired as to the time that his servant was healed. And it was at the same hour, it says, in which Jesus uh, declared that. So Martha's Faith, you might say, is the kind of seeing is believing kind of faith. And it's not really the kind of faith, I have to see Jesus. He has to be present, or I have to feel Jesus uh, before uh, anything can really uh, happen. Uh, and uh, again, we don't have to see Jesus, and we don't have to feel Jesus in order for Jesus to work mightily. Uh, he does not work according to our feelings. He does not work according to um, uh, what we expect, uh, you know, by way of sight um, and signs and things. He works uh, because, we, because he chooses to work, but he, but he most often works uh, through faith which cannot see nor does it necessarily feel the presence of God it's faith that's again it's the evidence of things not seen and perhaps even the evidence of things not felt but it's it's believing and taking God at his word and so um, the Lord calls us to believe in even when we do not see, and I would add, even when we do not feel, like in John 20, verse 29, where the Lord Jesus says 
to Thomas, <clears throat> you'll remember these words. Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And we know again from what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that we we don't walk by sight, we don't walk by feelings. In the Christian life, we walk by faith. It's, it's wonderful when we have the feelings. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to push away those, those religious affections and feelings that, uh, that are wonderful when God grants us those. And uh, uh, we, it's like a... It's like a a blessed rain, you know, that falls upon us, you know, in, in a very dry summer, the, the refreshment when God does send the feelings. But we don't live by the feelings because the feelings aren't always going to be there. We live, again, by faith, trusting in what God has revealed. And I think that that really, it's easy to trust God, right? It's easy to trust God when we have the signs, uh, you know, that God is, is giving to us the things we prayed for. It's easy to trust Him when um, we feel a certain way. It's, it's easy to trust Him. But our faith is really tested when we don't have the feelings. That's when true faith is really tested. Uh, and that's when, again, I think that we say, Lord, I, I wish I had those Feelings that I, I've known, those religious, those, um, those uh, gracious affections and feelings present right now, but I don't, but I do trust thee, and I want to have those, but many times God is saying, trust me, and I will then bring the feelings, not I must have the feelings before I trust thee. And so, again, God calls us to walk in faith. Uh, John eleven twenty two. <clears throat> but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. So Martha, again, evidences faith in Christ's ability to do whatever Christ wills to do. He, she believes he's able to do it. <clears throat> even uh, in powerfully raising the dead, as he had already done. You remember earlier in Christ's ministry, he raised uh, the ruler's daughter, uh, the 12-year-old girl from the dead in Matthew 9. He raised the, the son of a widow, uh, the widow of Nain in Luke 7. So he had raised the dead. Martha no doubt knew Christ had raised the dead, and so, you know, she's trusting that he has the ability to do whatever he chooses to do or wills to do. John eleven twenty three, Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And so this, this is a promise uh, from the Lord. Uh, Lazarus is going to rise again. Now, um, we'll see how she interprets that, but uh, Jesus is not qualifying it as, you know, to say he's going to rise again only at the time of the general resurrection 
uh, on the last day. Uh, he's not said uh, that Lazarus is going to be raised right now immediately. He's not, he's not defined when this is going to happen, but he has said uh, that Lazarus will rise again. <clears throat> and again, uh, this is a uh, this is a most glorious uh, promise uh, because it's a promise made to us as well. We will rise again. Uh, that's that's something that is true of uh, of all believers. Uh, just as all believers sleep in Christ, all believers will rise again in Christ. Um, I, I think in terms of, you know, I mean, God has blessed me with, uh, with uh, pretty good health throughout my life. And, uh, but I think in terms of uh, those who have uh, very debilitating injuries, you know, maybe Johnny Erickson Tata, or someone like that that's had uh, paralysis, uh, paraplegic or quadriplegic, um, and... Um, uh, you know, I, I try to imagine, wow, what they must think of as far as their hope of a resurrected body when their body hasn't been functioning, you know, for so many years. They have not been able to use what appears to be, the, uh, as far as the, the body goes, almost lifeless to do what they want it to do. They're still alive, very much alive. But, but nevertheless, their limbs and, and things, to, uh, parts of their body not being able to function. And I, I just think, wow, that's, that's got to be such a hope, a glorious hope for them to imagine on that resurrection day, being able to jump around and praise God in those new bodies that God will give to them. I don't think, we, I don't think that we who have been blessed with relatively good health maybe. Uh, think about that as much as we ought to think about it. But if we put ourselves in the shoes of others uh, who have had very poor health and whose bodies have been maimed, lame, uh, um, they're paralytics, um, you know, again, I think that it, it tends to help us to see the joy that will be there. I think uh, for, for me to think in terms of uh, uh, a body that's not going to uh, want to sin, uh, uh, is not going to be uh, tempted um, by way of what I see or by, well, by, by way of what I hear any longer, a body that's going to want to, to please God in every, every way so there's no hindrances in my body uh, to... Uh, following the Lord, pleasing the Lord. Uh, that, that, I think, if, even if I don't understand, to the same degree, the, uh, uh, the, the glory that Johnny Erickson Tata um, can imagine in having a resurrected body because of my relatively good health, nevertheless, I can still think in terms of what a glory that is going to be. Uh, on that final day. <clears throat> Verse 24, John eleven twenty four. 24. Martha saith unto him, 
I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So that's where her attention goes. She's, she's not thinking in terms of uh, uh, a present resurrection. Uh, she's thinking in terms of that the Lord is promising that he will rise again on the last day, which is certainly true, uh, but, um, but she's, again, uh, not thinking, I think, of an immediate resurrection. She, she's already said that in verse 22 that, that whatever uh, the Lord Jesus asks of God, God will give it him. So, so she's already acknowledged that God can raise her brother from the dead right there and then. But I think that uh, there's something uh, in what Martha, her, her response, I, I think there's something good also uh, to come from this response. Even if she was thinking uh, uh, that Jesus meant the general resurrection at, on the last day, uh, she's not being presumptuous. Um, she's not demanding that Jesus heal her brother or raise her brother from the dead right then and there. Um, the difference between presumption and faith, faith rests upon a, a promise that God gives to us that he will uh, that he will do this for example um, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus it's not then presumptuous for us to rest in that promise and say Lord I have a need I have a very serious need right here and I'm resting uh, in thee uh, for this particular need uh, but, uh, but again, it is presumption, it's not faith, to assume that God must do um, uh, something that he has not specifically promised us that he would do. We can certainly call out to him, we can certainly pray to him, we can supplicate, we can petition and, and fall upon his mercy, but to demand that God do something uh, like raise the dead or demand that he heal uh, uh, ourselves or some loved one of, of an illness or a disease or something of that nature is again to, to presume uh, upon God, not to exercise faith. Unless again, uh, you know, in the Bible where God very specifically uh, gave that, that power to um, prophets, to apostles, uh, to, uh, certainly to the Lord Jesus, uh, to, to heal. Again, we're appealing to God uh, out of faith that he has the ability to do whatever he wants to do. We're not limiting God. We're not saying to God, uh, God, I'm sure you don't want to heal me. Uh, that, that, again, would be... Uh, the opposite kind of presumption. Uh, we don't want to presume that he isn't going to heal us, nor do we want to presume that he must heal us. Uh, we're committing it all to God. We're just saying, Lord, I believe that thou hast the ability and I'm resting in, in whatever would bring thee glory, whatever would please thee. Uh, I'm 
presenting this petition and this request before thee, the Almighty God. Verse uh, 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So here is another one of those uh, I am declarations by Jesus, which point to him being the great I am. Think in terms of uh, John 8.58, before Abraham was, I am, Jesus said. Think in terms of John 9.5, I am the light of the world. Think in terms of John 10.14, I am the good shepherd. John 14.6, I am the way the truth, and the life. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he's saying that he is both the source of all life. There is no life apart from Jesus. He's the source of life. He gives all life. So if there's anything that lives, whether it be a human being, an animal, a plant, Uh, the smallest microscopic uh, cell, um, atom, whatever it may be, wherever there is life, uh, it finds its source in Jesus, who uh, is the creator. All things, in John 1, 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so he's the source of life, but he's not only the source of life, But he's also the one who upholds life. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 11, he upholds all things by the word of his power. So he's the giver, the source of all life, but he's also the one who sustains and upholds all life as well. So there's no life whether it's physical life or whether it's spiritual life, all life uh, finds its source in Jesus Christ. There is none without him. He is life from all eternity, and he conquers and he overcomes death as the resurrection and the life. Every person that will be raised from the grave and both the both the uh, righteous and the wicked will be raised from from the grave on that final day. All that are raised from the grave will be raised by Jesus. In John 5, verses 25 through 28, which in the past study we, we have considered, but let me just refresh your memory. John 5, 25 through 28 Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. This is talking about regeneration, spiritual life. And now is, he says, when the dead shall hear. Not sometime in the future, but now is. So this is 
uh, talking about spiritual life that Jesus gives uh, to his elect. And then in verse uh, 26, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. And then verse 28, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming. So now, now it's not now is, but the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So Jesus promises here resurrection life to all who believe in him as Savior and Lord. When he says, I am the resurrection and life, he that believeth in me, so those who trust in Jesus alone for their eternal salvation, though they were dead, though they die and their bodies go into the grave, yet shall he live. His spirit lives in the presence of God and his body will live yet again on that final day. Verse 26. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. Jesus does not mean here that uh, believers will never die physically. Uh, he, when he says, uh, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, he doesn't mean that they will never die physically, but what, rather what he means is, is that they will never die eternally. They, they, they will never die eternally. Uh, but shall live eternally with the Lord Jesus. And then Jesus asked Martha, uh, Believest thou this? Do you believe what I've told you? He doesn't, uh, he doesn't ask her this because he doesn't know uh, what she believes. Uh, he knows all things. But this very often questions are asked by God, asked by the Lord Jesus, uh, not because God doesn't know the answers to the questions, uh, but in order to build our own faith that the questions are asked. All the questions that God asked Job at the end of uh, Job, where were you, where were you when this, and uh, are intended to strengthen Job's faith uh, that he is the living God. And likewise with Martha here, he doesn't ask her, do you believe this, because he doubts that she believes this. He asks her to, to um, the question in order that her faith might latch onto, might, might uh, look upon him, Jesus, as the resurrection and the life. And, and so it's, it's intended to build her faith, not intended to question uh, her faith and many times again the Lord Jesus does that with us uh, in our lives various trials as if he were saying do you really believe me uh, when I take you through this trial uh, through this temptation uh, through this affliction through this persecution or tribute do you really believe me uh, and again he knows what's in our hearts but I think uh, the trials he brings, he's, he's asking a similar question. Do you really believe me? And uh, he does that in order to strengthen our faith, not to destroy our faith.
And then finally, verse 27, she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Her answer here does not mean she did not believe what Jesus had just declared. Because uh, she, when, when the Lord says, Believest thou this, that basically that he's the resurrection and the life, that he that believeth in me, though he dead, yet shall he live. Um, she doesn't specifically answer that question by saying, yes, I believe, Lord, that thou art the resurrection, uh, resurrection and life, etc. But she does, uh, if not explicitly, she implicitly answers that she does believe that when she says, I believe that thou art the Christ, that is, the Messiah, uh, the the royal um, king uh, that is to reign uh, uh, over uh, the kingdom of God. And she further says that she believes that Christ is the Son of God, that is, eternally, uh, the Son of God has the very nature of God which should come into the world. Uh, and so she she's... She is uh, proclaiming, professing her faith in the Lord Jesus. Um, and uh, Martha may not have fully understood all the nuances of, of uh, the resurrection or that Jesus was planning right then and there to raise Lazarus from the dead, but she did trust the Lord Jesus. Um, uh, she was struggling. Uh, she was grieving, she was sorrowing, uh, but she did trust the Lord Jesus. And the Lord certainly, in calling forth this profession of faith from her, uh, she does attest in the midst of all her sorrow, perhaps not understanding why the Lord Jesus delayed, why he waited to come. And yet, she is affirming, regardless of all of that, Lord Jesus, I believe that thou art the Christ the promised Messiah in the Old Testament. I believe that thou art the eternal Son of God uh, who is, is equal with the Father as to nature and has the same nature as the Father, the one promised to come into the world and to uh, carry away, bear the sins of his elect to grant forgiveness. And so she does give that, that uh, final profession and testimony uh, to her faith in Jesus Christ, even in the midst of her sorrow. Next time we'll, we'll uh, look at Mary. Uh, this was uh, the, um, the, the, the discussion that Martha had with the Lord Jesus, and, and Mary's is similar in some respects, but we'll, we'll next uh, time, God willing, uh, look at uh, that and then... Uh, um, we'll see how far we get into the re actual resurrection of uh, Lazarus from the dead. Okay, let's uh, stand and ask God's blessing upon the study this evening. Our Heavenly Father, uh, with joy, Lord, we look to Thee, for Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, which is to come into the world. And we do believe that thou art able uh, 
to raise the dead. Uh, we have no presumption uh, to, uh, to tell thee, to demand of thee what thou must do, but there is no limitation to thy power to, to raise whomever thou would choose to raise. Um, certainly, uh, thou hast promised in thy word that thou will raise the dead on the final day. But thou hast given evidence of that, that that will occur even by the resurrections that we see here in the scripture. That there will be a time when those who were raised from the dead in scripture had to die all over again. But on that final day, there will be no more death. Uh, death will be uh, gone. Uh, pain, sorrow will be gone. Tears will be gone on that final day. And uh, Lord, we pray that our minds might feast upon that time. That we might, again, not forget that all of us are going to die. And it doesn't have to be gloom and doom, but it does need to be taken seriously. For Father, uh, if our faith and trust is not in Thee, it will be a, a gloomy and a doomy day indeed. Uh, but Lord, if our faith and trust is in Thee alone, it will be a glorious day, a uh, day of celebration in, in heaven, being ushered into the very presence of the Lord Jesus, awaiting the day of resurrection. Lord, uh, encourage us, Lord, with these thoughts meditations. In Jesus' name, amen. Are there any questions uh, from the study this evening? Okay, thank you all for joining us.